Hello, everybody, and welcome to Do You See, a podcast about our Mountain West Montessori community. I'm your host, Angie Johnson, director and number one fan of this public charter Montessori school located in beautiful South Jordan, Utah. On today's episode, we are going to talk about Montessori peace education. With me today, I have Miss Alicia, our co-host. Hi, Alicia. Hey, Angie. Glad to be here today. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) Good. And then I also have a special guest um, with us. We have Dr. Lois Bobo, who is the executive director of the Walden School of Liberal Arts, which is a Montessori school, charter school in Provo, Utah. So hi, Lois. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Angie. Hi, Alicia. It's great to be here. Good. I'm glad you're excited to come talk to us today. Do you want to start out, Lois, just by telling us a little bit about your background, your education, and how long you've been doing Montessori? I love it. Oh, that's too many years to count. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I stopped counting at 30, so it's been a little bit. Uh-huh. I, I started out, like so many, just looking for an educational uh, alternative for my children, and I enrolled my four-year-old son, and the next year I enrolled myself. <laughs> and I thought originally that it was for my son that I enrolled, but it ended up being for me, a life-changing uh-huh. uh, decision. Oh, that's so awesome. I, I've been here and there, had my own school for a little while, and always wondered about that issue of social justice. How can we deny important educational opportunities to kids who can't pay for it. So being able to step into the charter world some 14 years ago was a lifelong dream for me. That's awesome. And, oh, go ahead, Lisa. Oh, I just have to say that I greatly admire Dr. Bowe, and I was lucky enough to have her as one of my instructors and professors when I got my Montessori credential, so. Yeah. And we keep learning from each other, don't we? <laughs> yep. Yep. And is it true, Lois, that you one of your degrees is actually in Montessori Early Childhood Education? My bachelor's degree is in Montessori yeah. Early Childhood Education. That's awesome. I love that. And then you have a master's and a PhD. Tell us about that a little bit. My master's degree is in educational leadership. And then my PhD is in educational psychology and technology. I usually whisper the technology part because (laughs) it kind of gets away from you very quickly. Yeah, that's how I feel about my microbiology degree. (laughs) I'm careful only to say that to people who are not in microbiology (laughs) because it's been a very long time. Well, that's awesome. So you've, you've been in the field of education for well over 30 years then. And have you taught, I mean, you've taught teachers, so I'm assuming you've taught everything from early childhood all the way up to adults. I have. I've taught, well, I can't claim having been a teacher and infant toddler. I've substituted at that age level Mm -hmm. enough to know that I'm leaving that one to someone else. (laughs) (laughs) I espouse the idea of of love those babies, cuddle them, and then give them back to Uh mom or teacher. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm aspiring to, to become a grandparent. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm hopeful. Well, that's awesome. Well, listeners, as as you're listening to our conversation today, if you have any questions, comments, or 
um, advice for us, please be sure to send that to podcast at mwmacademy.org. We always like to hear from our listeners. We're pretty responsive. So you give us a shout out if you'd like to. I kind of want to introduce the topic of peace education with a quote from Maria Montessori, of course. (laughs) How appropriate. Establishing lasting peace is the work of education. All politics can do is keep us out of war. I kind of want to get both of you to give your, your take on what you think it means when we say peace education and what you think Maria Montessori meant by that quote. Well, if you don't mind, I'll go first, because I'm pretty sure anything you say is going to sound way better than what I say. And if you go first, I won't have anything to add. <laughs> okay, go. I, I just think that if we are going to teach people how to love each other and care for each other and maintain you know, peace among nations, that's something that comes through education, knowing about other people, understanding other people, whereas we rely on politics just for the... The aspects of, you know, let's not go to war with this country. Negotiation. Yeah, exactly. Whereas, so there's something that's very deep about education that helps us, uh, you know, understand other people and have that empathy that's involved in making these decisions and kind of a whole different in different climate or culture. Whereas politics sort of deal with the here and now, like what what we have in our lap, we're going to deal with, and and this is kind of like. A, a long game where you're mm-hmm. building it over time so that eventually it's a change in mindset. Yeah, I like that. That's good comments. <laughs> nice work. Lois, do you have anything to add? I I couldn't agree more, Alicia. That, that really defines it for me as well. I, I think that part of that is as we get older, we get more set in our ways. And as I've worked in the area of Montessori education and peace education for these decades, it never ceases to amaze me how quickly children understand the concept of profound respect for each other. If you give them the opportunity to embrace that quality of being, they do it far better than any of us as adults. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that if if we are to become a, a, a culture, a species that avoids war and learns how to live with each other in harmony and balance, that it's something that will begin with the children and the children will lead us into that. Yeah. I, I always felt as I was reading Maria Montessori's own writings, I always felt that she almost saw education as the only genuine means of eliminating war in the long run. And if you think about it, if you could train up one generation of of children to have that peaceful mindset, or at least all the values that come with that, then you could change the world in one generation. So I think that's interesting. Another question that I'd like to ask is, obviously, when you say peace education, you're speaking to values. What values would you say that speaks to? I think that what it says is that we value the knowledge, skills, disposition, choices to live 
harmoniously with others and with ourselves, mm-hmm. and many would say with the environment. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has those values. I know very often when I mention peace education, I get people with glazed over eyes or fiery eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to teach our children to be soft and not care, and yeah. that's not it at all. I don't believe that peace or peace education is the absence of conflict. It's just a commitment to a profoundly respectful approach to resolving those conflicts. Well, and if you respect people and the differences in those people, you're definitely more willing to fight for them and for their rights as well as your own. So could involve conflict, but in a in <laughs> hopes of a peaceful resolution, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because this weekend I um, attended a lecture from a woman named Erica Munson, and she's the Utah coordinator for this organization called Better Angels. And the organization is really interesting. It is a nonpartisan organization that their goal is to bring people together on both sides of the political spectrum. And then their goal is not to be centrist. Their goal is not even to agree, but their goal is to inspire empathy and understanding of the other person's position with which you disagree. And so they hold these dialogue groups and they're very, they're formatted in specific ways. And it's it's actually quite fascinating that in the end, there's a bridge of understanding. There's an acknowledgement of humanity um, even in, and opinions haven't changed. Like, the opinions are still the same. It's just a different way of handling that. I think that's a really cool idea because um, a lot of times I see because of this conflict that we see and like su- such polarized views, people just refuse to talk about it instead mm-hmm. of you know trying to understand each other. They just completely shut off and say, "Oh well, we just won't talk about." politics or we won't talk about anything that we might disagree on Mm -hmm. and so I think that's a really cool idea to help. And isn't that exactly what we're talking about? If I can understand where you're coming from I, I may not agree with you, but I can still respect that your position is something that that you feel deeply about. Yeah and one of the effects of this process is that people don't demonize each other and put each other in a box. You know, it encourages some thinking that's not entirely black and white, as in you disagree with my idea, therefore you're a bad person, Mm -hmm. you know, which sometimes comes along with things. But I, back to something Lois said earlier, I really agree. I don't think children are born with a bunch of biases and lack of empathy and you know some may have more literal or black and white thinking than others but it is true that that children seem to pick up easily on this idea of friendliness and respect whether or not you disagree because you're never going to agree agree with everyone no one's going to agree we're all going to have different opinions but it's the process that, that is important so respecting diversity is one thing i hear coming out of that as far as values go Global citizenship is one that I want to talk about a little bit because sometimes we get in these cultural silos or geographic silos. You know, nowadays the world is smaller if you're on the internet, but even the internet can sometimes put us in silos by showing us only what we already agree with. And so that's one thing I want to speak to just a little bit. Montessori, maybe because Maria Montessori was in Italy, 
and then she experienced World War II and she went to India, so she had a more global mindset. Or maybe it's just that it's an international method of, of education, but it does seem to me to foster a more global perspective on things. What do you think about that? Well, I, I've recently been thinking about how universal Dr. Montessori was. She could go from advocating for women's and children's rights and and working with people who were truly at risk in society, children in psychological institutions of the, of the time, to talking with and working side by side and even being admired by people like Gandhi, like the king of Denmark, to Freud, to <laughs> the daughter of the President of the United States, and Alexander Graham Bell. I mean, such a diverse group of people. And she was, while not fluent in all of those languages, she was able to communicate with with all of these people in ways that brought greater understanding. And so that is the role model that Montessorians take onto themselves, is that universal, global approach. Mm -hmm. I like that. And if you think about the curriculum, it is designed to encompass everything and to spiral. And a friend of mine was telling me, you know, everything is really one big whole. We just chop it up to, into pieces, and sometimes we differ in where we're going to chop it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and what parts yeah. you're going to leave out. Yeah. And what parts you're yeah. going to keep in. Well, and that's the essence of Montessori education. We always look at the big picture first, the whole, mm-hmm. and then we understand where the pieces come together and how they fit like big jigsaw puzzles. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't remember how old I was. It was probably either high school or college. When it struck me one day, it, this was as pertains to science, but one day it struck me, wait a minute, biology is really chemistry, is really physics. Like, this is, who decided what this was? Because it isn't, these lines are are false. They're, they're contrived, I suppose I should say. And they're all our life. That yeah. They describe us and yeah. our life on this planet. Yeah, exactly. So that is a bit of a revelation. All right, so harmony, respect for diversity, global citizenship. What about personal responsibility? What do you think about about that? I mean, responsibility to oneself or to things that one might encounter. Both, I guess, just taking responsibility. I don't know if that's a, a part of this. I I've just noticed I I'm sure we'll talk about the peace table and we've talked about that before on this podcast, but I've noticed that one of the barriers toward resolving conflicts is when someone is not able to take any responsibility for their part. Well, I think when, when you're able to have that empathy for someone else, then you're able to better see uh, the overall picture of, oh, well, this is where they're coming from, and this is what I'm coming from. We both have our own biases you know Mm -hmm. so it's much harder to have a clear i'm right you're wrong sort of perspective Mm -hmm. on that yeah so many ideas bubble up when you (laughs) talk about that angie and so let me see if i can pull a couple of them out first of all i think as teachers as educators we're not going to be able to be educators for peace until we conscientiously start walking that journey. Mm -hmm. And as we 
as we become really self-reflective in that area of peace education and what it means to live harmoniously with others, we open up just so many areas for self-improvement. And as we walk that walk, then we're better able to understand that other people are on their own journey that way. Mm -hmm. Also, sometimes we meet people who dig in their heels and they are just unrelentless in their their desire to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's the answer. They want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so if we can hear what other people have to say before we feel like we have to express what we want to have to say, then sometimes that will open the crack or at least give us a foot in the door Mm -hmm. when someone feels heard and understood. I think that really ties back to Montessori too because we do so much to build that community and with community comes inclusion and inclusion you know goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs that need to feel safe and included and part of the group and when you're included and you feel safe you feel like you're being heard and then a lot of those other things kind of fall away because you don't have to you know do other things or act out or Fight, fight in order to be able to be heard. And so the rest kind of falls into place, that Mm -hmm. respectful atmosphere. Yeah. One of the activities that they do at Better Angels when they do these groups is, and it reminds me of debate where you're assigned to argue the opposite side. side. Yeah. (laughs) But what they do is they have dialogue in which they have two people dialoguing about an issue and they have to explain the other person's point of view so they have to dialogue for that other view explaining why that could be a valid view or why they think that person might have that perspective and as i as i was listening to her talk about all this it seems like the goal of it is is to humanize each other rather than to dehumanize or otherize each other which i thought was very profitable and useful, you know? (laughs) So one other thing that crossed my mind when it came to values and things that we're trying to instill in children is leadership, learning how to be an effective leader and take initiative on things. Because I also think that passivity or lack of curiosity about learning about others or other situations or perspectives also kind of tends to put us in a silo And when I think about leadership, it's interesting because to me, leaders build consensus and they're basically, they basically are serving, you know, that's how I see it. And so it just crossed my mind that teaching, because Montessori is really geared toward teaching kids to take initiative, giving them choices, letting them follow their interests, kind of encouraging their passions. And, and I think that might also contribute to it. What do you think? Well, I think that comes down to one of the fundamental differences between Montessori education and so many other methodologies. I grew up in an educational system that highly valued my conformity. I mm-hmm. sat in rows of desks, those those proverbial uh, <laughs> yeah. rows of desks. Mm-hmm. I raised my hand every time I had something to say. I walked in straight lines, all of those things. And we were taught first and foremost to fall into that uniformity. Mm-hmm. Montessori education is so individualized from the beginning. And one of our primary goals 
is to have children think for themselves, mm-hmm. to question ideas, and to to be creative in the ways that they meet society's expectation that they become educated human mm-hmm. beings. So they're, from the beginning, becoming a leader of their own education and the primary voice in their own education. And all around them, they're seeing that take place for their peers and classmates in these unique ways. Yes, we're a community and we all work together on common goals, but we all have a slightly different role to play there. Mm -hmm. And within the classroom, there are class jobs, but also so many ways where children find unique ways to interact with the world. I've seen fourth graders reach out to eminent scientists to get answers (laughs) to questions, Mm -hmm. things that we ordinarily would not consider children to have the right to do that. And I find scientists willing to answer back and and dialogue with children at a very uh, peer-to-peer level. Mm -hmm. And so children become aware that they are human beings just the same as anyone else, and they don't sense that there's anything less about being a child than there is about being any other human. So I, I think that's at the heart of the leadership that you're talking about. I think so, too. I mean, I totally agree with that, and I think that the a lot of times the leader in the classroom often, you know, sets that atmosphere or sets that mood for the class because if the teacher is respecting each of the individual students and coming to them like, oh, you're an expert in, you're an expert in technology, can you help me with this or can you help me with that or, you know, whatever it might be, then the child can really see that modeling and be like, oh, I'm respected, they're respecting me, you know, this is how we treat each other no matter the age, the, you know, whatever the differences might be. Yeah. So it reminds me of today we had some of the local public high schools did not have school today because it was the end of the term, so it was a teacher grading day. And I saw, and I don't know how many showed up, but I saw four different students come to visit us for the day. Oh, yeah, I saw a couple as well. <laughs> and uh, They weren't even in my class. <laughs> yeah, I know, and I, I kind of thought, well, anyway, I just thought it was funny because they felt very empowered to come, you know, come talk to me. And I just thought, yeah, we definitely are empowering children, you know. And I hope that that, I hope they learn that leadership is service. Because when you think about leaders in peace movements, you think about Martin Luther King Jr. It was just MLK Day yesterday. Mm -hmm. You think about Gandhi, as Lois mentioned. And these are people who had a lot of courage and a lot of initiative, but they used peaceful, nonviolent means. You know, so I think that also, uh, you know, the other theme that I hear reoccurring is the idea of modeling. You both mentioned it in different comments. When adults model these processes, it it is the true way for kids to see that and to learn it. So I think actions are worth a thousand words of lessons. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know, <laughs> I do too. But I also think that children don't need us to be perfect in that. Mm-hmm. When children think that you're perfect, that's a, a role model that they cannot they comprehend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when they see us struggle with our own 
work in this effort and as we apologize and try again and they see that then they say oh yeah it's okay to be on the path it's okay to make mistakes yeah and I think that's great permission to give us all yeah, you know, I need to do a professional development development on that, don't I, Alicia? That would be such a great topic <laughs> because really our, our teachers are so earnest and so striving, and they're trying so hard all the time. A little and, bit of a perfectionist. And it might be nice just to hear, you know, don't model perfection for your children. That will give them the impression that they can be perfect and no one can. So it's good to let those flaws show sometimes. Within reason. (laughs) Be careful what I say. (laughs) Well, and children are so forgiving. I I have learned to say often, I think I blew that. Could I start over again? (laughs) And I've never yet had a child say to me, no. They always say, yes, I understand. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Phrases to live by. (laughs) Yeah. I get a lot of those from Lois. (laughs) Yeah. I think another opportunity for leadership that they have in the Montessori environment is just that three-year span. And I know we've mentioned Mm -hmm. that before. Is because they've had some of these lessons and they've been through this before. They have the opportunity to be like, I can empathize with that fourth grader. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I know what that's like. And they can take the time to help that student and be that leader for them. Mm -hmm. So that's another kind of opportunity to have. And I would say, interestingly, it's not it's not necessarily an altruistic work to to work on the skills of having empathy and understanding that strength can come through diversity and all that, because those are skills that really, you know, are super important non cognitive skills for life, yeah. for any, for relationships, family relationships, friendships, business relationships employment these are important skills yes and they are so effective yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's so true so i did want to mention self-discipline as opposed to sort of imposed discipline so so we always talk in Montessori about intrinsic motivations versus extrinsic motivations and trying to get kids to be intrinsically motivated to follow their interests and their passions, but also to develop that level of self-discipline. You can make a thousand rules, and there will never be enough rules, and you can punitively, you know, punish whatever for whatever infraction you have, but that's not moving along the spectrum of being able to be self-disciplined. And Marie Montessori wrote a lot about self-discipline in the child. So I want to discuss that a little bit restitution or restorative justice ideas rather than punitive punishments, but also that idea of developing self-discipline. What are your thoughts? I'm so glad you brought up restorative justice Mm -hmm. uh, as the counter to what we've seen across the nation and zero tolerance policies Mm -hmm. that backfire all the time. And, And that gives us an example as to why this is so important, because when somebody else owns the responsibility, you let them have it. It's their fault if things go wrong. Mm -hmm. But when you feel that this is your choice and you have the responsibility, then there's no one else to place the blame on, and and you you need to take that ownership. When children create their own work plans, 
and say this is what I've got to get done today when they don't when they don't meet that goal they feel ah dang <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and they feel that internally rather than just making excuses saying well I don't like this or you <laughs> yeah. made me do that <laughs> yeah that's so true and I found that with my own children don't give them anyone to blame but themselves <laughs> because they will <laughs> they definitely will it's true and I, I feel like a lot of times in the classroom it's it's a constant changing game that you play because you want to give the student as much freedom as they can handle I guess right. <laughs> like you, the bubble's always expanding almost of what they can do but then sometimes they do something and you have to kind of you know, mm-hmm. scooch it in a little bit more, mm-hmm. and, then, and then you got to have a little bit more help in their self-discipline. And then, you know, as they grow, you can expand it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that way, it's it's like it is always changing, and it really is the long game because you want you want them to eventually reach it on their own. But it's it it does take a long process, and it's something that you can't be like, well, you are definitely going to just have self-discipline right now, like. It's something that they have to want and have to work towards. So you can kind of help them and encourage them, but you can't just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that I learned that from Dr. Montessori. <laughs> and she taught us that along the way, we have faith that children can get there. For example, we always expect that children will put their work away when they're done. But how many children forget? <laughs> and so rather than say, oh, you forgot, go put your work away. You mm-hmm. say, I noticed your work is still out. Tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> are, are, you, are you finished? Would you like some help? But you give that ownership to say, oh, yes, I think I am done with that. Mm-hmm. Back to the child, and if they need help, great. They can say that, but you, you guide them t- through that process of learning. Oh, I do have this responsibility, and I can take it. And yes, I can own it. (laughs) Right. And when they're successful, you see that huge pride Mm -hmm. and such a sense of capability and confidence. In fact, the more I work with children, the more I think that they're looking for those successes. If you can meet a child where they're at and help them to get those first successes that build their confidence... I mean, really, kids who don't like school or struggle with any one thing, it's its almost like the train moved on and they weren't met where they were at in order to build those successes. And that's, to me, that's the cause of most behaviors mm-hmm. that we dislike in the classroom and the cause of a lot of the anxieties that we see in kids these days. A lot of that comes from not feeling their capability. And if we're always doing it for them or imposing it on them, how can they build it? It's like expecting someone to manage their money when all you've ever done is tell them exactly what to do with it. You know, without the choice, there's no building. And we've done episodes on resilience. I think you're the expert on all our past episodes, Alicia. Did we do a whole episode on the peace table and conflict we resolution? Did. Okay, so I won't belabor that, but that is two parts to this other quote I'd like to read. Again, from Dr. Maria Montessori, it says, Peace is a goal that can only be attained through common accord, and the means to achieve this unity for peace are twofold. First, an immediate effort to resolve conflicts without recourse to violence, in other words, to prevent war, and second, a long-term effort to establish a lasting peace among men. 
So I think she's saying there are those two parts, the learning how to resolve conflicts in positive ways and the long-term instilling of values and ideas that allow for peace. So I guess I'd like to sort of start wrapping up by asking, after all of your our combined years of working with children, I should say, we should add those up. That'd be a lot of years. <laughs> <laughs> but, but after all those years, uh, do you see Montessori education making a difference in the classroom, in our communities, in families, in society? What do you see? Well, I can answer that because uh, remember we kind of started hinting to all the decades. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you would add, into, add to that total. <laughs> and as as I've had the opportunity to reconnect with students, the stories they tell are that this approach has changed their life. They are different people because of what they learned. I, I can remember, I hope he doesn't listen to this as I <laughs> call just, him maybe one of the <laughs> most challenging children. Well, we don't use names, but. <laughs> worked with, who came to us in his first grade year and struggled profoundly and so many of my stories on behavior refer back to him Mm -hmm. but as I sat in his eagle court of honor the stories that were told about him seeing the good in everyone and resolving conflicts and finding ways for others to be successful sounded exactly like the stories of how so many wonderful caring adults had had tried to support him over the years and Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote me a letter when he went to college saying that it was his experience in Montessori that led him to want to go into the field of education because it had changed his life. Oh, yeah, that's great. So I, I think just having a bunch of 10th graders show up is, says something yes. <laughs> to the relationships that we create in our school. So. I mean, I even, I mean, I only, I have the kids for three years, but I've seen massive changes in so students from when I've gotten them to when they leave. Just getting them and not, like the very first year I taught at the school and a lot of the kids weren't coming from Montessori, they were coming from a public school and getting used to all that Mm-hmm. freedom and stuff and just seeing them from fourth grade through sixth grade where they really took responsibility for themselves was like a huge testament to what can it can do just amazed at the growth that some of them have made yeah including ourselves mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, the first year you teach in this method you wonder is this going to work <laughs> Yes, after you see it year in and year out and see the changes that happen, you begin to trust that and trust the path of the children and trust your own journey as well. Yeah, that that leads me to one interesting story. We have a teacher who is, I don't know, I don't know how old, but younger, maybe taught for four or five years. And then her teaching assistant in the classroom is actually a mom who is going back to work. And she had been a school teacher herself in a traditional method for years and years. So we were very happy to have her on as a TA with all her experience working with children um, with this teacher. And she's been with us for years now. And she said to me the other day, you know, 
I learn every day watching this younger teacher. I, if you had told me that this could work, I never, never would have agreed to even try it. <laughs> and, and she said, but I watch and it somehow works. Like, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. And then people always ask me, you require your teachers to know three years, three different years worth of curriculum <laughs> and, I, and standards. And I think, well, of course they do. But anyway, our teachers are very awesome. So let's move on to book recommendations. I only have one. I recommend a book by Maria Montessori herself called Education and Peace. It's not long, but it's an excellent read if you'd like to hear some of her ideas about this. And then I think, Alicia, you have a couple. Yes, I have one that was actually recommended to me through Dr. Bobo when I took her class, and it was Children Who Are Not Yet Peaceful by Donna Bryant. (laughs) (laughs) Donna Bryant Gertz. (laughs) 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 Which I read, in, and I thought that was... It's a very helpful book because it talks a lot about teacher Montessori teacher experiences and kids who haven't quite reached their, you know, their uh, potential. Yes, their full potential at (laughs) self-discipline. And it's kind of encouraging because when you see kids in that class, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not doing it right. Or, you know, and then you realize it is a process. It takes time. It's not an instant fix. Mm -hmm. And the second one is called Planting Seeds, Practicing Mindfulness with Children by Teach Not Han and the Plum Village Community. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> Lovely book. Yeah. Do you did you have something, Lois? Well, I didn't come prepared, but I <laughs> I have two thoughts. One is any any writings by Dr. Montessori will have peace education as a thread that even when it's not called out by name, it it's there. Mm-hmm. But one of the books that is a not a Montessori book that I've really really enjoyed is by Vivian Paley called. You can't say you can't play. And as a teacher in Chicago's, uh, University of Chicago's lab school, she taught kindergarten, they had a year where they had this rule, you can't say you can't play. And this book is about the process that they all went through trying to figure out what this might mean. And it's a lovely little uh, book on learning to find peace within the classroom. That's awesome. Yeah. I would, I'll have to read that one. All right. Well, parents and listeners, we always give you some homework. And um, this time your homework is to have a dinner conversation. Find out what your children think about peace and what might cause conflict among humans. <laughs> and uh, see where they're at on that whole idea. It should be an Have interesting some conflict conversation. when you <laughs> yeah. can eat some vegetables. Or yeah, something like that. <laughs> resolve that um, eat your vegetables conflict. <laughs> uh, so thanks for joining us today, Alicia. It's always a pleasure to have you as our co-host. Thanks, Angie. I'm glad and a special thank you to Lois, Dr. Lois Bobo, for being here with us tonight. Thanks, Lois, for making time. True delight. Thanks for the invitation. I know you're a busy person, so I really appreciate it. Well, parents, as always, we appreciate you sharing your children with us as they are never boring. And if you're looking for further information about today's topic, study history so we are not doomed to repeat it. Go on, go on, go and do those things you've always wanted to, my friend. When the morning comes, our dreams won't end. It's true. I'll be there when I can for you, my friend.